Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting item, actually a selection of items. If you'll come over to here to this section of the showroom, this is our collection of vintage and antique masks. We have some plague masks from centuries ago, death masks from time and memoriam, even to modern, more vintage Halloween masks. For we as humans like to dress up in the trappings of other people, other beings, in parades of mischief, fun, and sometimes mayhem. But we are not the only beings who like to masquerade as others. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at the Disney Plus series, Marvel's Secret Invasion. So, Secret Invasion is the latest in the long line now of Marvel TV series released on Disney+. And it was one I was kind of looking forward to. Uh, Secret Invasion is one of those story arcs in Marvel Comics that uh, I never read that arc. I, I wish I was more into comics than I am. I mean, I, I've got a lot of comics from when I was a kid, but... You know, uh, we were poor and lived in rural Pennsylvania, so I didn't have access to them unless my parents got me a big stack of them at an auction. So I just didn't read a lot of comics growing up. And as I grew up, I tried to get back into it. But, you know, work and life gets in the way of that. So I'm not as well versed on the particulars of a lot of these comic book storylines, but I know enough about them to... To be able to to speak to them, and this is one of those storylines that I always heard about and always read about these these various things that happened within the Secret Invasion storyline. But it was something that had always interested me. Uh, the idea of it was seemed really cool, and I thought would make an an excellent TV series. And when I found out that Marvel and Disney was putting this on, I was like, all right, I'm I'm down for this. I am really excited. To, to check it out. Now, when I found out it was going to be less about how the storyline goes to the comics, I, I was like, oh, okay, what are, what are they going to change? How are they going to do this different? And I have to say, I really did like the idea of how they were making this, the Secret Invasion storyline, but doing it differently. Because in the comics, the Secret Invasion storyline deals a lot with, you know, the scroll invasion, but it deals a lot with the superheroes and the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the Thunderbolts, groups like that. And this was pretty much, I would have to say, superhero free. I mean, you have how things go down with the scrolls. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, I don't want to give too much away before we get into the spoilery section. But this is primarily a Nick Fury story. And they made this more like a cloak and dagger, uh, spy versus spy, 
espionage, how some of those old movies where where you had a lot of spies and there, you know, James Bond (laughs) made a whole series out of this. Uh, Ian Fleming wrote a whole book series based on this, that uh, there is an evil group bent on world domination or world destruction, and there's one man that can stop them, and that is our hero. And you get that with this. And Well, it is nothing new, nothing new under the sun. It is, I think, a really interesting way to tell a story within the the MCU that we haven't really seen. I mean, most of the stories that we see are all based around superheroes in the MCU. And to take Nick Fury, who's kind of been MIA for for quite a while now. I mean, we've got bits of them here and there. You know, there was the Spider-Man where you found out that him and an Agent Hill were were scrolls in disguise. You, you know, you had Nick Fury there, but it wasn't him. You had the end of the other movie where he's up on the Saber space station and it looks like he's on vacation, but he's got to get back to work. Uh, you had him in the Captain Marvel movie, kind of the the retro Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson playing uh, a retro Nick Fury. And so he's been within the within the context of, of all the Marvel movies. He's never gone away, but he hasn't been the central focus of a movie or even a secondary character in a movie for quite some time in the MCU. So to, to bring Samuel L. Jackson back as Nick Fury, I thought was a, a really... And, you know, it, it's fun. You know, I, I enjoy this character. I enjoy Samuel L. Jackson as an actor and as this version of Nick Fury. And it was going to be exciting to see him front and center in a political and world espionage sort of uh, sort of arena for, for a show. Now, like I said, this doesn't follow the secret invasion from the comic books, uh, only in the most loosest of terms. Uh, you do have some some nods to it, the Super Scrolls, stuff like that, but it really does kind of play like an, uh, an alternate universe version of this story. But like I said, still, I-, I liked it. I think it worked telling the story in this way because it worked with the whole idea of a spy versus spy espionage sort of TV series. So before we go any further, I am going to warn you there are going to be spoilers. Uh, I'm not going to go over this beat by beat and episode by episode. I think I'm going to talk more about the things I liked about it, the characters I liked about it, some of the big kind of what the fuck moments that we saw in this. And there there were some. And some of my overall thoughts on this miniseries, this limited series of Secret Invasion. And, you know, if you want to go watch it, go watch it. If you have watched it, you know what happened. I'm not going to go like beat by beat and do play by play, but we're going to talk about some of the bigger picture stuff. And like I said, some of the characters and actors that I really enjoyed in this. So from here on out, there are spoilers. Now, of course, I talked about Nick Fury and Samuel L. Jackson. I'll be talking about him throughout this whole thing. So I'm not going to focus too much on him. I love Samuel L. Jackson. Love most everything I've seen him show up in. Wonderful actor. Love him as Nick Fury. Uh, he's coming back from the Saber Space Station to uh, reunite with his wife, essentially. And you know, if you're like me, you didn't even realize he was married. But one of the cool things I thought was really interesting uh, about the actress that they had playing his wife uh, one, the character is a scroll. Her scroll name is Vara. Her 
Earth name as Priscilla Davis, uh, but played by Charlene Woodward. And I love the fact that they they cast her as this character for two reasons. One, I think she's a wonderful actress. But the other reason that I thought was kind of funny, maybe maybe a little bit weird, but Charlene Woodward played Samuel L. Jackson's mom in Unbreakable. And then in 2019 in Glass, she played Mrs. Price, the mother of the Mr. Glass character that Samuel L. Jackson played. So I find it, I just thought it was kind of funny back in 2000 and 2019, she's playing his mom. Uh, definitely not old enough to be his mom in those movies. I mean, she was old enough to be the younger version of, of Glass in in the, the flashbacks, she was old enough to be that kid's mom, but not old enough to be Samuel L. Jackson's mom. But but she plays his mom, a little aging makeup, and uh, mom's your uncle. But she plays his mom in those two movies. And then here, uh, years later, she's playing his wife in the uh, Secret Evasion series, which, uh, like I said, uh, it, it's kind of funny, kind of weird. But uh, but more funny, and it was a nice little... I, I don't think they did that on purpose, but it was just nice seeing her show up in this because uh, she had a really interesting character, and the dynamic between the Vara character and... And Nick Fury and their relationship and the the whole thing with the rings I thought was was kind of interesting and and just added a, an interesting dynamic that you would you'd like to see more of the inner workings between these two characters and uh, it just added a level a personal level to Nick Fury that we I don't think we've ever really had a chance to get and give you room to wonder about what their personal life might be like and and i know at the end she is asking him uh did he just love, fall in love with the face that she presents as her human face or did he fall in love with her as a scroll named vara and and i think that really spoke a lot to you know what we put our priorities in do we we just uh love who we love because they're pleasing to the eye or do we love who we love because of who they are deep inside and, and, and there are bigger ramifications to that that uh, I, I don't have the time nor the inclination to get into on this podcast. But uh, but it, it's interesting. It was, I think, a really interesting dynamic that added a lot of depth to the Nick Fury character and to the Vara character slash Priscilla Davis character. There was also a couple interesting characters. Ben Mendelsohn comes back as Talos. And, you know, he's a scroll. Uh, used to be a general within the scroll. Now he's kind of a, a bit of an outcast. And Amelia Clark, uh, Khaleesi, uh, as everyone knows her from Game of Thrones, but she plays his daughter, Gaia. And they have a really interesting father-daughter relationship where she's kind of rebelling against him because he's catering to the man and the man being a human and not putting the scrolls first and not, uh, you know, pushing Nick Fury to find the scrolls a home of their own so she takes in with these rebels that are going to take over earth and make earth the the new home of the scrolls hence the whole secret invasion but i really i always like ben mendelson he's such a a good actor uh loved him in you know rogue one in the outsider most everything that he shows up in he's always a, a treat to watch on the screen and i thought amelia clark 
uh, did a really good job with her role. She's she's a good actress. I, I really enjoy her. I think the twist at the end, which we'll talk about. I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but we are going to talk about the kind of the finale of this whole uh, series uh, a, a little bit later. But I enjoyed both of their performances, uh, although one of the big kind of WTF moments was the fact that they killed off Talos and the Ben Mendelsohn character. Uh, I did not expect that. Now, granted, he could always come back. Somebody could just, uh, another scroll could just shapeshift into Ben Mendelsohn, uh, somebody that looks like Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, but uh, for all intents and purposes, that character is killed off. And, and speaking of, I, you know, while we're talking about characters being killed off, uh, the Maria Hill character, played by Colby Smolders. One, I am a huge fan of How I Met Your Mother. My, my wife kind of introduced me to that TV series. She's a huge fan. I like it. She loves it. But uh, was a fan of Colby Smolders' character as Robin on How I Met Your Mother. So when she started showing up in the MCU, I was like, oh, I know her. She's from How I Met Your Mother. And have enjoyed the fact that they've kept her coming back in these supporting roles over the years in these various Marvel movies. But they ended up killing her off. And it was it was such a sad way to to kill her off because she thought she was going to to somebody she thought she was going to nick fury and it turned out he was this other character that we're going to talk about disguised as nick fury and he shoots her and and she dies and the scene with her mother and nick fury was was heartbreaking and it was just it was very sad to see this beloved character even my wife she didn't sit down and watch this whole series with me but she caught things from time to time and she caught the moment where colby smolder's maria hill was killed and she was she was like oh no and it, yeah it was it was a it was hard to watch because we're not used to characters that we love being killed often in in marvel movies you know especially more recent ones because everything is so light but you know you had agent colson uh killed off early on and i don't know but this really to me felt like they were going back to a more not reality grounded storytelling for the mcu but uh storytelling with real consequences it seems like in, in recent years Everything in Marvel has just been very light and very jokes and a lot of slapsticky humor. Every once in a while, you'll get something like Coulson dying, like Aunt May dying in Spider-Man, like the Maria Hill character dying. But I think the graphic nature in which Maria Hill died, I think I, I, I want to see things like that. I want to see some real gravity to, to these situations, these life or death situations that we're seeing in these super, superhero movies. Doesn't mean you have to go all dark like DC was, but I, I do want to see some, you know, I want to see my superheroes going through times of trouble, going, you know, feeling the pain of not saving the day and feeling the consequence of not saving the day. I think you can still be light and you can still have fun with these superhero movies uh, because of the comics for a lot of them they were very light spider-man always swinging around you know making wise cracks as he's uh, kicking the green goblin's ass but you know you do still have to have stakes and i think in the comics you still had those uh i think in the movies you gotta you gotta bring back the stakes a little more and having a character like maria hill being killed off was, I, I think, a good way to raise the stakes in this series right off the bat. 
Now, there's a couple old characters that we see. We see uh, Everett Ross, uh, played by Martin Freeman. Uh, love Martin Freeman from back into his British office days. But he, we see him right off the bat. I, I don't even know. He might even be the first person we meet in the, the first episode. But we find him in this sort of, like I said, cloak and dagger, spy versus spy sort of racket going on at the beginning. And then we see him killed. And then we find out that it is a scroll and impersonating Everett Ross and which is kind of paid off at the end when they have him kind of uh, held captive with all the other characters that the scrolls are impersonating. I, I thought that was kind of uh, <laughs> kind of a nice, oh yeah, that's right. He was at the beginning of the show. Uh, another one is Don Cheadle as Rhodey Rhodes War Machine. Uh, it, it was really interesting because he has been very integral in the Marvel movies over the past few years. But it was kind of funny how when they show him being rescued uh, from this facility where the scrolls are keeping all the people that they're impersonating, he's in the hospital gown that he was in at the end of Captain America's Civil War after he broke his back. And so this whole time, from there to here... It has been a scroll impersonating uh, Rhodey Rhodes. And and that was kind of an interesting, kind of an oh, F sort of situation. But Don Cheadle is always fantastic. And I really liked the portrayal of scroll Rhodey. Or as I've, I've heard a couple people call him this. And I, I don't know how comfortable it makes me. But uh, they've been calling the scroll Rhodey uh, Scrody. And <laughs> Jesus Christ, I just, uh, it's the, it's the 12 year old in me that just thinks that's, uh, that's hilarious. That's some high comedy right there. But yeah, uh, seeing how Don Cheadle plays the, the difference between the two, you know, cause Rhodey is very matter of fact and kind of, you know, just a serious, he's a military man and, and the Rhodey that we've seen recently didn't really play into as much, but definitely in this secret invasion, he is very much, you know, he'd just say things that the real roadie wouldn't say. And you knew something was off even before you knew he was a scroll. Various turns of phrases that he used. Uh, another character that I really liked and a an actress that I just, I love when she shows up and stuff. And, and she shows up in things uh, like science fiction and horror from time to time is Olivia Coleman playing the Sonia Fallsworth character. She's kind of like the British Nick Fury. She was probably hands down one of my favorite characters in this. I would love to watch a, a limited series or a movie or something just about her because she is very, uh, she's one of those people that you meet that they're all shake your hand very high oh nice to meet you how you doing very kind and pleasant and pleasing and and then when you turn your back on them they're stabbing you in the back figuratively and literally more figuratively than literally but you can't rule out literally but she she plays that type of character that is very warm and charming and pleasant but she is a stone cold killer and that interrogation scene that she did was just it was brutal and her matter of factness and her charm in that whole scene and I, it just was a treat to watch and probably one of the more enjoyable aspects of this limited series 
because seeing Olivia Coleman, Academy Award winning actress, if you watched her in any interviews, she just seems like one of the most down to earth, lovely people you'll ever meet. But to see her and knowing how she is in real life, uh, seeing, like I said, some of those interviews and then to see her playing this character that on the surface feels like that but underneath is a stone cold killer and a stone cold badass uh it was just wonderful to watch her uh playing this type of character and she does it so well so i i absolutely love the sonia fallsworth character uh olivia coleman uh anytime she shows up in something it is it is something i absolutely look forward to and i, I hope they Bring her back for more in the MCU. Like I said, I'd like to see more of this character and her as this character specifically. Now, the other character I want to mention that I really enjoyed was Kingsley Benadir, who plays Gravik. He is the young upstart rebel uh, general who is leading the secret invasion of, of scrolls on Earth. And I really enjoyed his performance because he really did feel like a the young lion trying to take over from, from the old lion. He's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. But they did something with this character that, that I think sometimes uh, Marvel villains lack from time to time. But they made him ruthless. There were various scenes where he just, it was no nonsense. And he, like the one scene where he finally gets these powers Groot powers essentially and he uses his Groot arm to grow out and like stab a guy through the chest his right hand manned no less and one I was kind of surprised because I think in this series they went a little more they went a little gory I mean you had some blood spurts from from people being shot uh you had you know a, a blood spray from that Groot arm going through that guy's chest and I was happy to see that they weren't afraid to shy away from the blood. I mean, they did that for the Werewolf by Night series. They did it on black and white so there wouldn't be any red blood and freaking all the kitties out. I was glad to see that they went with a little bit of realism. This, is, this isn't superheroes flying around in capes. This is real people, spies, real people getting shot, real people dying. And I'm glad they went with a, a little bit. I mean, they didn't go over to the top. But they went with a little bit of realism for that. But I really did like the Gravit character. Uh, Kingsley Benadir, I think, did a really good job with the character. He was underutilized as a villain, I think. Uh, but he did have some moments. That scene at the very end where he... Well, he thinks he's talking to Nick Fury. He's actually talking to the Gaia character. But he thinks he's talking to Nick Fury. And he gets right up in his face. And you could just feel the, the vitriol and the hatred and the anger and the the angst. And he just nailed that. I mean, that was that was a scene that, you know, it sent chills down my spine. Because this is a villain that you should be afraid of. And I really enjoyed that about uh, Kingsley Benadir's performance as Gravik. But I know a lot of people had problems with this because... It was a lot of spy versus spy sort of stuff, cloak and dagger sort of stuff. It wasn't a lot of action. There was some action, but there wasn't a ton of action. It was more people in rooms talking. And I know some people hate that because, God forbid, you should have some character and story development that doesn't revolve around uh, you know big CG fight scenes. 
But I enjoyed that. I like those character moments. But it did lead up to the huge big battle. I like in that penultimate episode, we leave it off with Nick Fury going to get the harvest. Because that's what Gravik wants is the harvest. It's a it's an, a mishmash of all the DNA of everyone at the Battle of Earth. If you go through, I mean, there's some scenes where it shows who all is in this vial. There's even some characters that probably shouldn't have been at the Battle of Earth. But they were there anyway, uh, at least in this this cocktail of genetic material. And I, I like when, when Nick Fury goes to get that and he finally puts the eye patch back on and the trench coat. And you're like, finally, the real Nick Fury is back. Because Nick Fury, for the most part up until this point, has been all full of self-doubt, self-loathing. You know, he's done his wife wrong. He's done Earth wrong. Uh, he's done the scrolls wrong. And he just feels like a, a big failure. And it, it is kind of a pity party uh, for the character for the most part. But then that penultimate episode, when it gets to the end, he puts the eye patch back on. You're like, okay, here's the real Nick Fury. Now it's time for some ass kicking. And I love how in the season finale, you get that great cloak and dagger type move where you think it is Nick Fury going to confront Gravik. And it turns out it is Gaia all along. And I I honestly thought, because this is in a radioactive place in Russia, an old uh, you know nuclear uh, facility, and I thought it was going to be a situation where they Nick Fury sacrifices himself to save the world and they were going to kill off the character. I'm glad they didn't, but I really thought that's why. And that's why the red herring of, of it being Gaia and not Nick Fury, that's why that worked. Because I thought, okay, he's going to sacrifice himself and this is how he's going to do it. And then I don't know how this is going to end, but we'll see. But it was it was really kind of a cool turn when he turns on that machine to give himself Gravik, that is, all these superpowers and to find out that, you know, he's thinking it won't affect Nick Fury because he's human. This only works on scrolls. And to find out it has been Gaia as a, a scroll disguised as Nick Fury all along and that that scene where he goes with the Hulk hand and tries to punch her and she catches it was like that oh shit moment. And you realize what is going on and the the fight scene between them it it was okay it was a big cg fest uh some of the cg some of the cg worked uh some of the cg didn't work i I don't know how i felt about the whole like here's a hulk arm here's a groot arm i don't know how i liked all that uh when he kicks gaia gravic kicks guy with the hulk foot uh it looked like some bad cg especially if you paused it his leg turned into a hulk leg with with bruce banner's ripped shorts uh, just i i don't know it like i said the fight scene was fun it was good uh the cg was uh, what is becoming typical marvel cg and rushed they don't really get to pay attention to detail like they like they should. And I can't blame the artist. If you're not given enough time to get the job done, you know, the way you want it to be done, uh, it's not your fault. And, and Marvel has been trying to rush these things out. That's, I think, why Bob Iger has kind of put the halt on things and slowing things down, slowing everybody's roll. But 
you know, we get Gravik killed by Gaia. She gets her revenge for Gravik killing her father and her mother. Uh, you know, I, I, I liked that aspect of it, the revenge story aspect uh, of the Gaia character. Now we've got Gaia, who has all the superpowers of all the Avengers, Captain Marvel, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, all these different characters. Now we have this ridiculously overpowered character in the MCU, and that's what I... That's what I don't like. Uh, I, I like the idea. They had the super scrolls uh, in the comic series, these scrolls with these superpowers. And I, I like that they did a nod to that with giving Gravik uh, superpowers of various Avengers. And, and even, you know, with him having the harvest, I just hate that they gave the person who had to beat him that as well. Now, we, like I said, we've got this one character. That is overly superpowered, and what do you do with that character from now on? I thought it was interesting how they ended it with the uh, president of the United States essentially uh, calling for open war on any any aliens not born on Earth. You know that's going to lead into this president Dermot Mulroney's character uh, being voted out of office and Thunderbolt Ross who will now be played by Harrison Ford, how he becomes president and, and we get into the Thunderbolts movie that's going to be coming out. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I think that's going to play a lot into the Daredevil Reborn with Kingpin, how Kingpin comes to power, because I believe he's going to be the mayor of New York in that series. It'll be interesting how it plays out in, in any of the more recent uh, Marvel movies and series that are going to be coming out over the next year, uh, year or two. But that's the one thing. I, I another thing I was kind of disappointed about is the fact that they didn't have like a PS at the end of the the series or a mid credit scene or or anything like that, kind of setting up bigger things in the MCU or the next thing in the MCU. Uh, they usually do that, and they didn't do that with this, so that was kind of a disappointment. For, for the most part, and, and I think I'm going to wrap this up, uh, I, I enjoyed this for what it was, a cloak and dagger, essentially MCU version of a James Bond thriller. I enjoyed that for what it was, because it was something different. We haven't really got that in the MCU. It wasn't a bunch of superheroes flying around in capes, doing superhero things. It was regular people in the midst of, of a superhero world. Uh, doing their part to to save the earth. So so I liked that. I liked the actors. The cast was fantastic, as you know Marvel does. Marvel always gets good actors to play these characters, and and I think you know they had some real standouts like Kingsley Benadire, uh, Olivia Coleman. I thought were two fantastic standouts in this that I really enjoyed. Amelia Clark did a good job. The CG, and there wasn't a ton of CG in this. It was mostly practical effects. You know, there was some CG, but it wasn't over the top. It was stuff that enhances what's already there. Uh, it was that big fight scene that the CG was a little iffy at best. And that was kind of uh, another Marvel CG disappointment. But all in all, did I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Do I wish the ending would have set up something bigger in a more grandiose way than how it did? Uh, yes, I want to. I want to see what's next. I want to see where we're going next in the MCU, and, and they just didn't do that. At least not on an overt level. I think we'll see the ramifications of the end of this show up in other series and movies, but it just wasn't. Oh, I can't wait for this to be coming next. 
So yeah, all in all, I did enjoy it. Was it perfect? No. Am I glad it's just a limited series and not a continuing series that we're not going to get a season two of this? Uh, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I don't I don't want to see this all the time. I, you know, I do watch the MCU for the superheroes and and I want to see you know, I want to see that flash of, of the comic books come to life on the on the screen but i did enjoy this for what it was because it's kind of like you gotta break up the monotony of like i said superheroes flying around in capes and tights uh you have to do something a little more grounded in in the human element from time to time and i think this did just that and i think that's why i ultimately enjoyed it it wasn't perfect it did have its faults but ultimately, I'm glad I watched it, and it was an enjoyable watch. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the Marvel's Secret Invasion series on Disney+. Plus. You can catch that uh, if you haven't watched it. I encourage you to watch it. If you like, if you like Marvel uh, and you like good acting, there's a lot of good actors in this, and they, they do a really good job. And it's a good story. It's an interesting story. Uh, it's not the comic book. Secret Invasion, but I think it's a, an interesting take on that. And and the one thing I didn't mention, everyone was all up in arms over the AI intro to this. One, I thought the intro was really cool. It looked visually stunning. I loved the title music that they played. It was just absolutely haunting and beautiful. And I think the fact that they used AI, and I know everybody's afraid of AI taking their jobs, uh, myself included, but uh, the fact that they used AI in this, I don't know if it was meant to be taken as such, but the way I took it as, you know, that is the, the climate we're in right now where everybody is afraid of AI taking over. And it really was a nice parallel between Secret Invasion where you're afraid that these scrolls are going to take over the Earth. I thought there was a nice parallel between the two entities, uh, the realism of AI doing this intro and the characterization of an alien race taking over planet Earth. I, I thought if it was intended that way, I thought it was brilliant. If not, then, well... I'm just going to pretend like it was. But I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Secret Invasion. You can check out more on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook and on Instagram. We're always posting stuff pertaining to the podcast and some of the new episodes. I like to post articles and trailers from horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Add my two cents as well, so check that out. No matter where you listen to this podcast, like, subscribe, follow it, whatever you got to do. Share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. That's how we spread the word. And, of course, leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!